Reconstructionist Radio presents a War Room production, Once Dead, where brothers and sisters in the faith share God's grace upon their lives, how they were once spiritually dead in their trespasses and sins, but are now kingdom-driven by the grace of God so undeserved. So hello, my name is Robert Hoyle, uh, but my friends call me RJ, and uh, I'm here with my wife Rachel, and we were once dead, so we want to tell our testimony and story about what has brought us to the place where we are at today, and the things the Lord has done in our lives to take us from the places where we were to the places where we are. And so, for my own part, um, I was born in 1993. We live here in Southern Virginia, where uh, both my mom and my dad's families have lived for a good long time. Um, I was born into a Methodist church here in the community. So, um, I was baptized into the church as a baby and spent several years of my youngest life in that church um, before we ended up bouncing around a lot as I got older and into a teenager. My dad um, ran and continues to run a construction business. He's um, very well known in the area. We live uh, specifically about an hour south of Richmond. And um, if you want to find that on a map, we live real close to the intersections of Route 1 and Route 460, both federal highways, pretty easy to find. But um, my parents homeschooled me. My mother was a public school teacher. She had gone to uh, college and had a degree in mathematics. So she was a teacher before I was born. And when I was young, she stopped working so she could stay home with me. And that was something she always did for both me and my younger brother. I have one sibling. And so we were homeschooled growing up, um, taught you know, from my earliest days, from the, from the Bible, from the scriptures. The, you know, for my own part, there's never a time in my life where I can't remember um, not loving the Lord, not hearing about Jesus and his work that he's done, and studying the Bible. But... Um, just because some of us have a pretty decent vantage point uh, as a beginning compared to a lot of others, that's not a reason to glory, and that's uh, certainly not necessarily an advantage oftentimes in today's America, because even though I was raised in a home which was Christian and my parents were very devout in the faith, the Christianity which uh, we had all been exposed to, which they had inherited from their parents, and which we learned at the churches and the different functions and associations and learning societies and everything we participated in wasn't authentic Christianity, as you might put it. Um, growing up, even though I was very devout in studying the scriptures, I was pretty much a run-of-the-mill, modern American, premillennial, dispensational, cross between an Arminian and a Calvinist. Uh, had no interest in any sort of... Uh, intellectual Christianity in the field of apologetics or uh, systematics or anything it was just a very 
generally the, the exposure I had to Christianity, uh, at least in the intellectual capacity, was pretty much from Hal Lindsey and Dave Hunt. Not to criticize those men as individuals, but you know, obviously their Christianity that they have produced has not been the most culturally renovating type of faith ever, biblically faithful. So I grew up in that context and seen uh, my parents, even though we were taught, you know, as children, I was taught very much a, you know, kind of a pietistic, ascetic, basically a useless faith for all intents and purposes. That wasn't what I learned from my parents at all. You know, my parents were self-made pretty much, nobody given them anything and built their own business and they took that very seriously. And so I was raised with um, a lot of responsibility with we live out in the country, so um, from an early age, we always had responsibilities around the house, teaching us how to garden and take care of animals. Um, I started working with my dad at a young age, which was a wonderful blessing. And so the basic messages in life was the necessity of, um, I'm not going to say just being active for activity's sake, but in, uh, in, in being faithful. Idle hands are the devil's workshop. I heard that one a lot that we're always supposed to be actively engaged in, in working and in making the world around us a better place. That if we see something that's broken, we need to fix it. We need to be able to identify problems and, uh, and take care of it ourselves. And those were lessons that stuck with me a lot. And as I grew older, they were things I oftentimes found conflicting with my faith. You know, I lived a life that uh, in, in its orthopraxy, the goal, the idea was to be working towards you know, building up, um, you know, building up a, a, a legacy. Basically, my parents were working to build a legacy that they could leave to their children, which would be me and my brother, and we were supposed to do the same. That was righteous living. Yet, my Christian faith was uh, telling me that I should be preparing for the end of the world at any time. That I should be ready to get off of this planet, and that uh, the worst thing I could do was build a legacy. So that was oftentimes a, a point of conflict for me, and. Um, so with being homeschooled, my mother quickly filed us for religious exemption once we got old enough to the point where you'd want to branch out into more specialized topics and such. That way there was no uh, standardized testing or government regulation over what types of materials we could do. And that allowed us to begin into a world of... of beyond homeschooling into alternative education methods and such things. And one of the first things, I'm not going to say one of the first things, the most successful thing that we ended up, the route we ended up taking was um, she used the Sunlight Curricula. And I just mentioned that by name here because I would highly recommend it to a lot of people. It really changed my life. But the Sunlight Curricula that I took in, uh, I was 16 at the time, had a whole lot of different books that you're supposed to read and everything. And two of the books that were there really changed my life forever. And those were The Tools of Dominion by Gary North and The Institutes of Biblical Law by R.J. Rushduni. And even though those two books, I'm not going to say they have a narrow focus because there's no way God's law can ever have a narrow focus. But even though the, the main thrust of those books was purely on law and its implications for society, so at that time I really didn't, still didn't understand the implications of what I was reading, for instance, the you know, post-millennialism and the Calvinism and all that. But I quickly latched on to theonomy, and I could see that it was a way that my Christian faith that I was so serious about also applied and was useful to me now in the life that I had been taught to live by my parents. So this was something that was a great encouragement to me. 
even though for the time I really didn't go anywhere with it beyond using those as guides to further study the scriptures from the theonomic perspective or really basically just the valid historical perspective of understanding God's law as the regulative principle for our lives. So that was something that I began studying in. Again, that was I was 16 at the time. Um, I took a couple of uh, courses in a local community college in business management, and as soon as I was finished with that, I went to work with my dad full time. I doubled up on my schoolwork and such when I was younger, so that I was able to graduate early and go to work with him. That was a great blessing for me. Again, even at that point, I'm clearly learning a whole lot more working with my dad in the field than I was in any books that I was reading or any studies that I was doing. I wasn't that interested in, in studying uh, to better myself in a lot of ways. So as um, time went by, I was 16, 17, 18, I continued working for my dad here in the construction business. We do a lot of uh, trade work, laying pipe, building roads, pouring concrete, that type of thing. When, when I got to be 18, then um, I had known my wife Rachel for four or five years at the time. They had milk cows, um, their family did, they lived about 30 minutes from us, they had dairy cows. And my mom was fairly involved, not only in the homeschool community here, but also kind of part and parcel with that a little bit was the more drive towards natural foods and such. So um, my wife's family had dairy cows and they did the milk shares. And so my mom had bought milk from um, their family pretty regularly for several years. And so we knew each other a little bit. And um, so basically when I got to be 18 and I was ready to start my own household, my own family, and uh, I talked to Rachel, uh, is my wife's name, who was, again, we were known each other for several years at the time, and, um, well, we agreed that we, you know, didn't know each other that well, but we liked each other well enough, and that uh, we would work towards getting to know each other better with the idea of getting married and having our own family, and that took about mm, seven months, and then we were married, and, uh, rented a house down the road from my, my mom and dad and uh, did our best to, to start our life there. And so before I go any further with that, then I'll, um, I'll let Rachel fill in the details on her early life and up to the point where we got married. So Rachel, um, if you want to go Hi. ahead with a few minutes with what you feel like is the defining points of your life up to the point where we got married. What, how the Lord brought you to where we're at today? Okay. Um, I would say my family has lived in Virginia forever since I can remember. Um, I grew up right next door to my grandparents, and I thought that was very important, and I loved family and growing up together um, with my aunt next door as well as my cousin, who was just a couple years younger than me. Um, I was homeschooled pretty much all my life, um, but I grew up in a Messianic Jewish family, and I was raised as a Messianic Jew, and I don't have any memory in, of my childhood of not knowing God and not knowing Jesus and not knowing the Bible and not even reading my Bible. I always wanted to read. I always wanted to learn more about God and what he says in his word. 
Um, my parents have taught me to have a hunger for, for God and a love for God. And so um, when I was about seven years old, my father had always dreamed of moving to Israel. And so we did. We stayed there for about 11 months. We lived in um, Kiryat Yam and then Kiryat Mutzkin. Um, and my father was intending on staying there, but certain circumstances happened that brought us back. Um, my brother is autistic, and the health care in Israel is not exactly the best. So that was one of the many reasons that my father decided to come back. Um, so we did, and we bought land for my grandfather and moved again right beside him. Um, and we loved being around each other. Family was always taught to us as being very important. You don't leave family out. Being, keeping up family relationships was always important to us. Um, my grandfather's health was failing some, as well as my grandmother. Um, so we tried our best to help her, and really Joseph, my brother who was autistic, um, taught. My mom started learning into nat started learning about natural health and wanting to get good food in us and learning about growing food, and we just started exploding from there. Um, it was very neat learning everything with her and trying to help her because I was very interested then after learning why Joseph was different than other children um, was really cool. I am actually one of, let me see, I have two older brothers from a previous marriage from on my father's side, a sister from a previous marriage on my mother's side and then there's me and my two youngest brothers. Um, so there's six of us in total. We, um, my sister being about five years older than me, she did not move with us to Israel. She stayed with her father here in Virginia. And I live about, I used to live 30 minutes away from RJ and his family. Um, we were in Prince George County we were on 460 East when I think he's on 460 West. So um, I did notice RJ um, when he came and my when his mom was interested in, get, in getting the milk share. And so we had always encouraged our customers to come on out and look at the cow and just see how we handle everything and go over everything, go over how the milk is picked up, paid for, and everything um, and so I noticed him and I thought okay well he looks kind of cool and not to mention he's handsome but I was like you know I'm older than him you know just a little bit older than him he's he's not interested in girls and I think I'm just being silly this is really silly I shouldn't be feeling this way <laughs> um, so I didn't think anything of it I just pushed it away and no, every once in a while, I thought my thoughts kept returning to RJ and his family. And so I was like, all right, God, what's up? <laughs> so I thought, okay, well, I'll just pray about it and see what happens. So I prayed and prayed, and 
God just kept pushing this idea of RJ on me because it's highly unlike me to think about a man romantic romantically like this. So I was like, man, I really, I really like this guy. I can't do anything about it. <laughs> and so I prayed probably for about a year and I decided, all right, God, well, if you don't mean him to have me, that's fine. I'll just continue to pray for him and his family because I really care about them. And my youngest brother, Eli, he played roller hockey with RJ and his family. Um, his um, Judy, his RJ's mother, she has coordinated homeschool hockey, roller hockey in Chester, and does a wonderful job. And her husband, Robert, does mostly does goalie work. Um, so it was neat, me going and watching my younger brother and just watching RJ a little bit and how he interacted with everyone around him. Um, I was a little annoyed that he didn't really want to talk to me or it looked like he, he didn't want to notice me or <laughs> anything like that. Um, but... He, he would be polite to me. I'm not saying he was being rude, but I just think it was a little weird that he never wanted to look at me or talk to me. So I was like, all right, that's fine. I'll just keep praying. And I was completely shocked one day when he came to the house, just him and his brother, and he caught me in a moment where we were alone outside. And so he asked me, Do you, is it okay if I ask your dad if I can come see you? I was very excited. So... And I didn't tell anybody. Um, that was also extremely hard. And again, I kept praying even more. Um, I was brought up, you know, Messianic Jew. I didn't know how my father was going to take this. And he's a Christian. And, you know, my father has always taught me that the Old Testament was very important. Knowing God's law is very important. And he did not want me paired with anyone who didn't take the Old Testament just as seriously as the New Testament. So I did not know how my father was going to react. So that was one of my main reasons by not saying anything and just focusing on prayer. Um, so I just did. I prayed hard and I thought I knew that God would bring about whatever he wanted to. I knew that God's will always prevailed. My, my parents didn't really teach me that so much. I think they did, but just not in a way that I took it, not on a level that I took it. Um, I highly admire my parents for teaching me all that they have because I knew a whole lot more about the Old Testament and New Testament as well, just because of them. And I loved being homeschooled because I never really felt like I fit in with anyone else. In Israel, I was treated a little, you know, like a like an odd kid because I was an American and they, everyone else was Israeli. Um, so I always felt like I never really fit in anywhere. But I'll turn this back over to RJ and see where we will continue on from here. So catching us up to the point where Rachel and I were married, then it wasn't long after we got married that 
the Lord had serious intentions of shaking us off of the current path that we were on. Um, our first pregnancy was a, a very hard one during our marriage. Me and Rachel had been married for about nine months um, when our first uh, successful pregnancy began. And at the time, then uh, Rachel and myself, I wouldn't quite use the term Luddite, but uh, we, were, we were quite close to rejecting a lot of technological advancement. Um, I had probably taken radical killism or premillennialism to its fullest extent and uh, was pretty much waiting for the world to end. And uh, I had a lot of views that led me to think of a lot of advancement, technological advancement and societal progress as being evil and uh, the dominion of Satan. So and when, when Rachel was pregnant, then we did a lot of research and found ourselves a good midwife and um, did, did things kind of the old-fashioned way. And um, we thought everything was going well. Rachel's pregnancy ran full term. And um, we had a home delivery. And when the baby was born, Rebecca was our oldest child, and she was stillborn. And um, Rachel became very, very ill um, once the baby was born. And so I uh, had to break down and take her to the hospital. We're very fortunate here in Richmond. We have what I came to recognize would be quite a wonderful and very, uh, very particular hospital here in uh, Richmond, VCU Health Center. And um, so when we first, it was three days before Christmas. It was three days before Christmas in 2013 that uh, I, we went into the hospital and um, when I first got there, they told me that Rachel was very, very sick and that uh, she had an infection stemming from her uterus, that she might not survive, or that if she would, they might have to take her uterus out in order to save her life. So all of this was very frightening to me. At the time, I was 19 years old, and our you know, first child had gone horribly wrong. and I felt partially responsible for the decisions that I had made leading up to all of that with trying to you know, use a midwife in a naturopathic direction and staying at home. Me and Rachel have been totally in agreement about that, but as the head of the household, I was mature enough to feel extremely responsible and quite heartbroken at the same time. So um, we stayed in the hospital for seven or eight days. It's been several years ago now, and that whole situation was quite a blur. But we, I can remember we spent three days in intensive care, and uh, miraculously, I think, Rachel recovered. They were able to save everything intact. And um, we were able to come home right after the first of the year. And um, when we had gotten married, Rachel's father had given her one of their dairy cows as a dowry. So up until that point, Rachel and I had been operating our own small kind of a starter dairy farm, shoot off, with the one cow. And we had had one calf on the farm up to that point. Um, so the cow was older. When I got home from the hospital, Rachel was very ill. I was having to work to take care of her. I was missing time at work and such. And um, my parents had been taking care of the cow for us while we were in the hospital. It was a very cold and brutal winter that year. When I got home, they told me, they said, your old cow won't get up. She hasn't been up for three days. So the first day that I was back at home from the hospital with Rachel, I split my time between helping take care of Rachel. We lived The house we were living at the time was two-story. Um, so we, she wasn't able to get up and down the stairs. And uh, so I was having to help her there at the house and worked for two days to rig up a, a sling to 
hoist the cow back onto her feet to try to get her to stand. That didn't end well, so eventually I had to uh, <clears throat> I had to put her down and bury her within three days of getting home from the hospital. So at that point, we were right at the beginning of 2014, and uh, the Lord had pretty much brought every plan that I had had going into our marriage to a screeching halt. And it was a time for me where um, the Lord really impressed upon me uh, the doctrine of His providence. And it was not really something that emanated from within me. It was purely the work of the Spirit. Because I was not that well-educated of a Christian, not that well-studied. I didn't really know any better. But I spent a lot of time over those days when Rachel was in the hospital praying. And I spent a lot of time rethinking the way I had been as a husband up until that point and the life I was leading, what I was trying to accomplish with my life, and the attitude I had towards the world around me and everything. And so the Lord providentially led me to a couple of things. And um, I bought a copy of David Chilton's Days of Vengeance and uh, bought a copy of John Calvin's Institutes of the Christian Religion. And uh, <clears throat> between the views of postmillennialism and the concept of time and the expansion of Christ's kingdom, propagated by Chilton, also found in Calvin, but then Calvin, especially his views of providence, of God's paternal and pastoral care for his people, and uh, his, his predestination and his providence, it really drove home to me that everything that was happening to me was happening for a reason. It wasn't just meaningless string of events, but it was God pushing his, his will into our lives, and there was no reason for me to fight against it, that I had better look to change my life. And so, as Rachel said, she was raised in the Messianic Jewish or Hebrew Roots movement <clears throat> background. And her parents, I guess, found me suitable, or at least of a passing grade, my own being a theonomist. I had a better than average, I guess you could say, understanding of the Old Testament. So they were okay with that. I, too, had been drawn to her parents' uh, hunger and always searching uh, within the scriptures. And that had led me and Rachel into the Hebrew Roots Movement for the first year and a half of our marriage. And a lot of the studying I had done and books I had read were in that vein and so on and so forth. And uh, it was kind of a flood for about a year for me. And studying and researching, things had begun logically to break down uh, for premillennialism and the kind of interpretive scheme of the Hebrew Roots Movement. And, um, you know, of course, that's a movement that kind of springs from dispensationalism, so it brings a very dispensational, premillennial, Achilleist, Arminian outlook to life and the scriptures. And uh, the Lord providentially placed a few individuals and a lot of literature in my life that changed it. And um, once that came to be, once, once, that, uh, once the Lord had shown me, you know, sanctification has a way. Once you strike on something that's the truth. You know it's the truth. You understand it at that point. And so the Lord brought me to a place where even though I really didn't understand anything, I did know that what I wasn't understanding was the truth, and I had better take that direction. So I began doing my best to, to minister to my wife and to slowly uh, evangelize those around me. Um, you know, we, we oftentimes, everybody has their own style and tactics, and the Lord places us all in our own different positions and rounds off our rough edges in the ways He sees fit. Uh, and I went through my cage stages. I'm sure it was very irritating to a lot of people around me for a great period of time. But uh, the Lord quickly beat it into me that uh, being a, being irritating or being a jerk to those around me about something, even if I was in the right, wasn't an effective way to communicate the truth. So it quickly led me to 
try to do my best, to do my part to communicate the gospel truths the Lord was teaching me about the fully orb Christian faith to those around me. Um, it wasn't too long from that point there that the Lord found me uh, doing the lion's share of the teaching at a home church here in the local area, which was something that uh, I was quite excited about to begin with. And um, through the time I did that, I was able to effectively communicate, I think, especially post-millennialism to the people that were there. The message of hope and of Christ's kingdom and victory was a message that uh, was well received and to a certain extent understood. And the more I was there, the more I was coming to terms with the fully orbed Christian faith again. I don't claim fully consistency or understanding even at this point. But as I was studying and progressing, I began to feel more and more uncomfortable with the type of situation that we had with the with the home church here. It was kind of just a bunch of families getting together and uh, studying the scriptures and so on and so forth. And there's certainly nothing wrong with that. But um, I was coming to see that if we were going to continue meeting together, then there must have needs be a little bit more than that. So uh, I was, at this point, the me and Rachel's oldest children are twins. They were born right in that time while I was while I was teaching at this home church. And so I wanted to have them baptized. And so uh, I realized that it wouldn't be legitimate for me to baptize them myself. So I approached the older men in our congregation and asked them if they would be willing to take on the office of elder so that they could legitimately and recognizably baptize my children. And uh, well, that didn't really go over too well for a couple of reasons, but um, I didn't really want to push the issue much further. But I began to understand at that point that it would be probably necessary for me to place myself in a situation where, for one, uh, I wasn't really doing the teaching in a, in a sense, in a ministerial or pastoral sense over men who were twice my age, is that wasn't really biblical in the sense that I didn't overly feel called to it and there was no uh, there was just no sense of organization or structure in any way that we have so many of these little congregations and such things here where there's no accountability one to another and really no affirmation of God's law as the highest standard you know you do what's convenient and then if somebody gets offended you just walk off and uh, I could see it be in that scene so I guess ironically I kind of walked off, but it wasn't without effort and attempt. Um, the Lord fortuitously brought several other men closer to my age into my life, and uh, we were able to found a small congregation that operates within uh, the Association of Reformed and Theonomic Churches founded by Dr. Raymond some years back. And so that gave us the situation that we liked um, as far as being not just doing our own thing, but practicing the biblical model of how to govern ourselves, how to, to uh, have accountability. And so it was my hope and intention to enroll our home church into that. Um, but because we're confessional uh, according to the Westminster standards, and most people here in Virginia are Baptists, then uh, unfortunately nobody was willing to participate from a home church in the establishment of that. So that was a great disappointment to me, but it also... The Lord used that also to teach me more lessons, I think, on how to have that type of a, a disagreement with people, and even at a fairly fundamental level, but then also still be able to get along with them on a daily basis, respect their decisions that they've made, and understand that on the 
orthopraxy level, we still have a lot of common goals and common interests. Um, so that all that time, uh, my whole life seems like it's been a blur, but that whole time, again, especially, was a time of a lot of change. And the Lord used that time, again, while we were there at the home church. And that was when my wife, Rachel, really came alongside with my faith. And so I had been attempting to witness and labor um, for some time and uh, with, with Rachel as to her views, and it had become a bit of a source of contention between her parents and myself. It wasn't something that I really wanted to push the issue on so as to open up uh, any wounds worse than they need to be. So I was probably guilty of not being as clear as I should be. It, people may or may not be surprised at this, but uh, I'm not an overly good communicator, especially at the personal level. I don't do a very good job of communicating my beliefs, uh, hopes, dreams, expectations, whatever, to the people that are closest to me. I tend to either talk about trivial things or not be talkative at all, all of the t while stewing on you know something close to my heart, not really letting anybody in on that. So that was too often the case that, that I have with, with my wife, but... Um, Fortunately, even though my own efforts are pathetic usually, the Lord was able to use, uh, he was able to give unto me, I guess, the grace, or really, I guess, give unto Rachel the grace to decipher exactly what it was I was trying to get across. Um, and so the Lord was able to bring her beliefs alongside me, which was a great encouragement. I think at the same time, he was establishing the other families that we were eventually able to establish the Richmond Reformed Bible Church with. And that was a great encouragement to us all, I assume, but especially to myself and to Rachel to feel like we weren't total crazies, that we weren't just <laughs> uh, being schismatic or having delusions of uh, <clears throat> reforming ourselves and the culture around us in accordance with God's will. Because uh, to be in fellowship with those who are like-minded is obviously of extreme importance. And the Lord brought us into that situation at a very good time. And uh, before I go on and wrap up to where we are today, I'll let Rachel tell her side of the story of that time while we were in the home church and her coming to the Reformed faith from a Hebrew Roots Movement background. It was a little difficult for me to accept and watch RJ's slow conversion. Um, I asked him probably a lot a lot a lot of questions for about a year I think just trying to understand what it is he believed and what it is that made him think the way he does and um, my first reactions of course were not very gracious and not very nice at all um, when he read the first two books and was excited and telling me about it, I believe my first comment about Days of Vengeance was, you should burn that book. So, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> um, so then he would say, well, why should I burn it? And so I was trying to tell him why. And then he said, he would respond, and I would try very hard to think about what he said. And so I then thought about it and turned it over and over in my head during the day, during my daily task. And I thought, well, he's got a good point when he says that. So I would search the scriptures and try to leave 
any everybody else out of it. I just tried I tried not to talk to anyone else about what RJ was believing or anything because I wanted to figure it out for myself and I didn't want someone else to influence me. So um I believed it was it was t a conversation for just him and I. So um one of my greatest faults, I guess, is I'm too loyal. <laughs> and um, so my dad had made a comment before um, a few years back saying, well, if RJ collected dolls, you would collect dolls too, just because he did. So <laughs> I thought that was funny. Anyway, um, I guess I am too loyal. Um, but I really have liked learning, and I still am learning. I don't know a whole lot. I'm still, I know I have a lot of learning to do, and I'm still very young and ignorant and don't know a whole lot, but I try, and I do ask questions when some come to me, and RJ does his best, I think, of as his job as a husband, leading me and leading our children and just raising us up in the way we should go. So, um, so basically at this point today in 2017, uh, me and Rachel have now been married for five years and uh, we've been reformed for a little over three to the grace of God. Um, the Lord has now blessed us with three sons. Um, we're currently living in my mother and father's basement. We actually live in about a third of their basement with our three children, um, which is cramped space, but the Lord has seen fit to bless us. My dad has been fortunate, has been uh, gracious enough to gift us with um, a piece of land on the farm that he's built here. The Lord has built our cow herd up to quite a good size. We're able to have quite a bit of positive influence in the um, culture and the local community around us with the amount of milk customers. Right now we have over 20 people that come out on a weekly basis to pick up their milk and uh, you can be sure that they they get a regular dose of tracts, pamphlets, or good discussion if I'm around for me waiting for them with their milk. And um, the Lord has used that uh, hopefully to sow some seeds that uh, we'll be able to see harvest from. Definitely had some positive influence. Uh, my heart has always been given over towards, I'm not necessarily going to say teaching, I don't consider myself to be a teacher, but I like to learn, I like to study, and anybody else out there that knows what it's like to love and have a heart for learning and studying, you have to communicate that to others or you'll explode. So it's more of a watershed <laughs> in my life, but I really enjoy writing and I enjoy communicating, attempting to communicate, as I already said, I'm horrible at it. But um, I had been tutoring for a time. I, I spent some time tutoring in theology after I became Reformed and um, was able to have some good success stories with that, uh, which is an encouragement, made many friends that are, that are dear friends, harder working in service of the kingdom than what I am at this time, uh, which is wonderful encouragement to me. Um, the Lord is blessing us with being able to build a house on our, on our farm uh, my dream and, and goal is to be able to establish a, a more productive and lucrative economic model from the farm 
uh, here so that uh, it can be as self-sustaining as possible. The Lord uh, has blessed me with um, a good job with my father's business. I work as an equipment operator and a foreman for him. So we're a small operation. I'm, me and my brother will probably end up running that one day from here. And my dad uh, likes working with us and vice versa. So it's a good situation within the family. And uh, hopefully as I get older, uh, well, as all of us get older, but I can be working uh, in his business and uh he'll be able to stay here more while I work in the field and uh, he'll be able to have time here to raise my children in a lot of the same ways he raised me. So um, our family life we take very seriously. I think uh, Joe Moorcraft once said that you can always tell a Presbyterian by their family discipline and their family worship or that those are the two things that characterize a Reformed Presbyterian home. And we try to take that very seriously with our children uh, and discipline them and, and teaching them how to worship both here as a family in their practical and vocational lives and um, in, in the corporate worship of the church as well. So those are things that we take very seriously. Um, I have a real heart for service in the local community of Petersburg is uh, my home city. With, again, I've all, my family's been here in this area for a long time. Petersburg was a very important city for a long, long time. Uh, the federal government eventually killed it off with the tobacco buyouts in the 1970s and 80s and such. But um, today it's kind of a depressed area. It's, a, it's the most depressed city and one of the more depressed areas in the country. And uh, I hope at, later in life to be able to maybe move into the city or certainly establish uh, some workings there to be able to teach the, the a lot of the adolescents that are there the message and the uh, practical applications of God's law to give them a sense of meaning, purpose, and accomplishment in their lives. Um, on the short term, working towards communicating the true Christian faith towards uh, homeschoolers and those pursuing alternative education, a uh, big, big proponent of seeing some type of a working model be set up that can challenge public schools uh, for educating children, uh, educating anybody who's willing to be educated, but obviously parents are looking to educate their children. Um, so that's, uh, that's something with working towards building curricula and uh, educational platforms that can be used by myself and my own studies and other people who would like to be able to help parents homeschool their children so that way it's effective to be able to do it yourself with the education but also to get a good education from people who specialize in the fields of study that you want to pursue. But in conclusion I think Rachel and I can both say that uh, we have a lot to learn and uh, we're very gracious and thankful that to the Lord that he has providentially brought us through thus far. We're very thankful for our friends, for the positive influences um, that we have in our lives around very us. Um, I myself am very thankful that the Lord has used my own punitive efforts to uh, bring my wife alongside me in, in, our, in our faith and to, to add so many good friends unto us and to be in a good situation here moving forward. And uh, we just hope that uh, our, our lives and testimonies can be a blessing to others because we know and something that is an encouragement to us and we hope is an encouragement to everybody and the reason we wanted to do this is that there's so many people 
that have such a similar story to ours. It's really not even that exceptional that there's so many people who are coming to a better understanding of the Christian faith, who are applying it in everyday lives, who understand that the Christian life is a means to an end, and that end is to glorify God uh, and enjoy Him forever. And so we want that to we want that to be our legacy now. And so I think, uh, in conclusion, whereas as a child I was always uh, taught that my job was to build a legacy for my family, even though my faith showed me that my job was to get out of this world alive. Then, uh, <laughs> my what I want to pass on to my children is that. Uh, your faith and your practical life both tell you to build a legacy for your family. I was talking with uh, Shelby Luke the other day, and he wisely told me that your ceiling is your children's floor, and uh, your parents' ceiling is your floor. So my parents gave me a pretty good floor to start on, and I hope to be able to give my children a pretty good floor to start on, and certainly want to see them give their children an even better one to start on. And so... uh, to the grace of God, uh, myself, RJ, and my wife, Rachel, are now kingdom-driven.